Welcome to the Good Bad Mad podcast, a show that's here to share the ins and outs of creative careers, connecting the aspirational with the experienced, with your host, me, Meg Ellis. My guest for this episode is Steph Soretti, a visual effects supervisor for Marvel Studios. Now, this man has supervised visual effects for Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain America, Thor Dark World, Matrix 2, Matrix 3, X-Men First Class, the list goes on. He's currently working on The Eternals, but I had to promise Disney that I wouldn't ask about it. Now that was an interesting email chain to be in. If you want to learn about visual effects, this is the man you want to learn from. But hey, if you're just even a Marvel fan, listen in, you'll love it. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for making the time. You seem to no be problem. incredibly busy at the moment. Yes. Yeah, I am. It, uh, we're, we're, I mean, we're not trying to finish the, mm-hmm. um, to finish the film because we're not going out for a little while, but it's still, we're still trying to finish it, uh, you know. Yeah, get the bulk of the work done whilst. Yeah, exactly. Have, and, uh, you still got a, a full team out there oh, as yeah. you normally would. Oh no! Yeah, we're full. We're full on. Oh, that's great! It's yeah. good to hear that you can still. No, um... we've been uh, we've been working. I mean, it's been a year almost in post production. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's long. This one's uh, this one is a long one. Well, I tell you what, it's astonishing that no one knows anything about it yet. I mean, I know yes. they're top notch on security. Yeah. But yes. I mean, no one even knows anything about this. One. No, we haven't even shown any, any, any images, any official stuff, okay. nothing. Are you excited for when people can? Do you get excited for that moment? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for, you know, a trailer to be released or something so that we can start getting, uh, yeah. getting a bit of, you know, excitement about it. I mean, I think people are excited they, they showed something a long time ago at, I think in Brazil, in a, in a Comic-Con in Brazil, um, while we were still shooting. And they showed like a, a, a real, like one minute reel of some footage that we had done. And, and the reaction was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but that has not been released either. No, no, yeah. Nobody outside of that room have seen it. So. No. Do you do you always go to like the big Disney conventions and stuff? No, like I I, I rarely go. I really don't have time. I'm I'm usually working or, <laughs> you know, I've been once to the Comic Con to old age. Uh, it's absolutely insane. I've been lucky enough to be able to get in, and that was that was the year. We were showing a little bit of Ant Man and the Wasp, and that we, we that was the year where they showed the first stuff for I think Infinity Wars, and mm. or no for it was right, mm. yeah it was. They were showing a little bit of Infinity Wars. We were shooting Ant Man and mm. just showing a little bit of something, and then uh, we actually were not shooting Ant Man yet. We were about to start shooting, mm. and then um, and they showed the like a teaser for infinity wars and the the all of all age went mm. completely nuts um and they showed black panther and it was it was a good it was a good uh, it was a good comic con it was I really do. cool I, I mean i won't lie to you i'm a huge huge marvel fan right. so i'm very excited to get to talk to you is it is it scary having all this kind of pressure and secrets and 
knowledge that this huge population of people just want to pick your brain all the time and go tell us everything no it's not i mean we're very used to secrecy for every project i mean i've i've been i've been in that business for like how many years now way too many years mm. almost actually 25 years and it's always been pretty secret like you know i when i worked on um I remember the, the first movie I've done, which was Batman and Robin, <laughs> believe it or not, was I did that back in France, in Paris. And um, I mean, it was all secret. We were, the first thing we were told is like, you can't tell it, you know, the company, the visual effects yeah. studio I was working for at the time, the, the first thing they told us, you can't tell anybody we're working on this movie. Mm. You can't tell anybody about what you're seeing. You know, it's, yeah. it's a common thing in in movie making and especially when you work on these kind of big um you know big blockbuster properties that you don't want to reveal anything mm -hmm. and it's fine i mean it's like you don't want to tell what your christmas gift is going to be before it's yeah. christmas so it's you know it's part of the the deal that everybody's trying to yeah. keep this this stories and the characters and the you know the designs and the you know visuals all of that mm. you know under control um plus you know these these are big properties and they rely a lot on, you know, timely release of, of you know, material to, uh, you know, get people excited. So we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, prevent that from going on smoothly and well. So, so we're using secrets. We're very secretive. You've been involved in comic book movies then from, from the from start. the get-go. It's nothing that I decided to do or anything. It just happened. You weren't a comic book fan though. Uh, well, I... I'm French, so I did read a lot of comics when I was a kid, but they were not, you know, American comics. They were yeah. more like European comics. And, uh, you know, Tintin, and I don't know if you, I mean, I guess <laughs> you know these things, but Tintin and uh, Asterix in France, and, yeah. you know, all these things. There was a few, there wasn't a lot of availability for American comics in France when I was a kid. There was one, one magazine that was called Strange, actually, mm -hmm. um, that was um, kind of a mishmash of different stuff from Marvel all put together and not very well, you know, not very well put together, actually. Uh, that it, it was, there was no continuity, there was no stories. It was just, they were just grabbing stuff and putting them in a magazine and people right. were buying it. And that's, that's pretty much the only access I had. To, I, had I had a neighbor that was a big comic fan and that was you know that was a subscriber for that uh magazine and they would like give them to us and so but that's about it i mean i didn't know much about yeah you know i knew about batman because we were watching you know the old batman show from the tv you know yeah. we got that in france i had you know i knew a little bit about spider-man the fantastic four because there was cartoons on tv showing mm -hmm. them but that was that was about it. I, I had no idea how big the Marvel or DC world were. I don't. Know. I don't gigantic. think anyone really did. And no, it's gigantic. It's, it's insane. The amount insane of insane how how big it's gotten. It is and yeah. beyond its kind of original formats as well. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, moving to America and to England and then to America, but mostly in America, you know, the amount of people that have so much love and knowledge for all these characters mm. you know that you know people that are you know like if i i know tintin i know all the, the tintin but it's like i don't know how many comics there is like 30 but some people here in america there's like i don't know how many comics have been released and they have a full knowledge of all the characters and their interaction and what one has done with the other i mean it's it's crazy how much 
uh, this is important in American uh, culture. I, I had no idea, literally. So you weren't necessarily a, a Marvel fan when you started, but you knew you wanted to go into VFX. Yes, yeah. And that's mostly initially, it came from, you know, watching Star Wars when I was a kid. I don't, I know I've seen the first Star Wars in the theater. It was in 77, I think I was like four years old. I don't remember any of it. Mm. I remember when I saw The Empire Strikes Back, that I remember that day very precisely, that evening very precisely. And, yeah. and I, I always remember like, you know, I watched it and I was like, how did they do that? How, that's such a cool film and there's so many worlds and so many things and characters and crazy stuff and, you know, spaceships. And I was like, this is so cool. I wanna know how that's done. And uh, my, my dad was an engineer. Um, but he was also kind of a film buff and so was my mom. My mom was, you know, she had done theater when she was a, uh, a younger person and she loved movies, you know, old classic American movies. So we, we were kind of bathed into that, that world. And mm -hmm. my dad had a, you know, super eight camera. He was filming the family films with that. And I had two brothers and one sister and we were, we all used cameras and, you know, we're doing photos and, uh, super 8 cameras were doing little animation films with the super 8 camera from my dad and also my dad was an engineer and in france he was one of the first one who got a, an apple computer oh an wow computer. so uh to do his calculation for his engineering stuff but we had one at home and so i was kind of into that world of like okay movies technology computers nerd yeah <laughs> You know, and, you know, movies, you know, watching movies. I remember watching movies, you know, every Friday night there was the cine club on TV <laughs> where there was all these old films uh, in, in English, American films, uh, subtitled, which was not the norm usually in France. Movies are dubbed, but the Friday night for the cine club, they had all these old movies. And I was watching that with my mom. I was a pretty uh, bad kid. I was staying, uh, you know, I wouldn't sleep very early I would sleep very late so I would stay and watch movies in English with my mom my mom was Canadian so she was speaking English as well so yeah that created all that kind of like these conditions to uh, make me interested by that world definitely. were you quite artistic as well I was a little bit of both I was very I I was artistic and um and very scientific, actually. I actually, I, my, you know, baccalaureate in French was scientific and I went to an engineering school, which I totally failed. Um, <laughs> then I went, I went to university and I, I learned, uh, you know, I went all the way up to um, a bachelor degree in quantum mechanics. And yeah, and then, but at the same time, I was like animating little characters and doing animation with Super 8 cameras with my brothers and blowing up stuff in the garden, you know, doing little things. We were re redoing, I remember we were uh, recreating parts of The Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. on our ping pong table that we had covered with flour. And we had these kind of little, you know, you know, robots kind of moving around and blowing up stuff. I mean, oh we my were goodness, creating... the little snow, the snow. Yeah, the, no, the, you know, the, 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 the one with four legs and all that stuff. I mean, it was just crazy. We were just crazy kids during the summer and spending yeah. our, our time creating havoc in the house. But, you know, that's where we, how we were. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. So, so, so you, had, 
you went to university for something completely different. Completely when... different, because I, I was a, a big science buff as well. I love science and I love arts as well. I love, you know, pictures and painting and all that stuff. So, and, and actually, when you think about it, visual effects is really the, the conjunction of science and art. So, and so is to some degree, all of movie making is that too. Science and arts and the art of storytelling and, and the visual storytelling. So it's, it's all kind of related and working together. I mean, even nowadays, when I, when I look at images and I look at simulations that we're doing and how we can recreate the real world and all these things, my knowledge in science is kind of helping me understand where I want, you know, how I want things to work and how we can twist them to work the way we want them to work. But I think it's visual effects are really uh, the combination of arts and science at, at the highest level. When did you get your, your first taste of it? Of visual effects? Mm. It's, at the time, it was mostly animation. I, was, I mean, I was playing video games. I was a big video game player, too. And um, the city where I was, Lyon in France, was actually a city where there was a lot of little visual effects, um, not visual effects, but game studios. There was a, a company called Infogram that was, you know, born in Lyon. Uh, that was a big, a big game studio and still is to this date. And there was a lot of little studios around uh, that were doing visuals for, for that, that company, you know, building assets or, or building animation or stuff like that. And I was at home. I mean, I had been on my Apple II first and I had an Atari computer and then I had a PC. And all through that, I had been doing little animations on, mm -hmm. my, on my computers, very rudimentary at the beginning on the Apple II. But then the more the computers, you know, progressed, the more I could do stuff. So I was, you know, I was starting to do actual CG animation on my computer in the, you know, 92, 93 mm -hmm. on my PC at home, you know, very little, little characters just doing things. And it took mm -hmm. hours to render one frame at the time. You had to be extremely patient. So I always did a little bit of animation at home. And then I, I kept on doing this while I was doing my science stuff and then finally you know but i got bored with science a little bit i was like this is not for me mm. uh, and i i went to an art school in lyon that was actually really very linked with um all these animation studios that were all around the town and so i ended up working for one of them learned i was i went just went for to that school for a year uh that was um they kind of did a special thing for me because it was like a four year school, but it just took me for the last year because I had already done so much animation at home. Yeah. When they saw what I had done, they were like, okay, well, you're gonna do just the last year. You already <laughs> know a lot about 3D and all that stuff. So we're gonna do a special thing for you where you're gonna do the last year, which is the 3D year, mm. but actually we're gonna open for you all the, the lessons for the, the previous year. So you can go around the different, you know, you can go around storyboard and, uh, you know, draw painting, drawing, sculpture, all that. So they kind of did a, something special for me, that which was Amazing. really cool from them. And then after one year, I just uh, I worked a little bit for for that game company in in Lyon, and they told me, Steph, you're not meant to do games. <laughs> you you should really do uh, animation or movies or stuff like that. So, I, and I I was lucky enough to send some tapes to uh, a few companies in Paris. Um, mm. There was uh, like two, three good visual effects companies in Paris at the time that were uh, opened. 
not a lot, but they were, I was lucky to just be there and be available and get out of school mm -hmm. at the time where they needed people. So I, I, I applied to a few jobs there and then I got a job at a company called Buff, Buff Company in Paris, which is still a very good visual effects company nowadays. And uh, they were just, they just got that, that job on uh, Batman and Robin. Mm. So they were, they needed people. So they saw my, my, my reel, you know, I did a reel and then yeah. they said, oh, just come in and uh, you'll start working at night because well, we don't have enough computers to, uh, it was really hard at the time. Computers were extremely expensive. Yeah. The computers that could do this kind of stuff were extremely expensive. Uh, they were not normal PCs. They were called silicon graphics and they were like, they costed a lot of money. And so I would, I would work at night and then they would teach me. And the boss was really uh, very talented, very intense. <laughs> mm. uh, he would work 24 hours a day. So he was there all the time anyways. And after three, four weeks of, you know, doing stuff, learning, learning uh, the ways they were doing things there. They, they hired me and then, and then there you go. Uh, I started there and stayed there for 12 years, actually, in Paris. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I lear I've learned a lot there. I mean, that's, that, that company was just, you know, starting to work with American studios and I, I could speak English. Not a lot of French people could speak English. So they were like, okay, Steph, it's an, it's an English speaking client. Just talk to them. <laughs> so I got, I got to be in touch with clients very quickly, you know, and um, I started working on, on films and they were doing a lot of commercials at the time. And they gave me a few commercials to supervise, you know, as, as I grew in the company, learned a lot on commercials. It was really fun, actually, because, you know, you do in a very little time, a lot of things and you, you, you have to take care of everything. So it was, it was very cool. Uh, and talking to directors and clients and things like that. And then I started doing, you know, working on bigger films, you know, super, my first film I really supervised for this company was a movie called The Cell uh, by Tarsem with Jennifer Lopez. Uh, it was in 99, I think, or shooting in 99, released in 2000. And I got lucky because the, the shoot was in, in LA. So I, I ended up having to go to LA for like three months to come and be there for the shoot, Yeah, which was really fun. And that was my first time, you know, being in LA for work. Um, and then I did the Matrix uh, sequels, uh, Matrix 2 and 3. Mm um i had to go to australia because they were shooting in sydney so i spent quite a bit of time over there uh, meeting a lot of people that actually shaped a lot of my my career after that um because there's a lot of people that were on matrix two and three that i ended up working with you know later and some of them actually work at marvel now and right. where where the people that got me into marvel um that got me some of some other of them you know got me in touch with Chris Nolan and that's how I ended up doing Batman Begins and the prestige with him um you know it's just the people you meet throughout your career that just suddenly you make you meet people you're you know uh, like-minded and you share you share a lot with them and uh and then you grow with with these um these people that are growing as well so yeah and then I, I, I in 2008 I moved to London. I quit that company in Paris. You know, I thought like maybe it's time to just make the leap and and go on the other side of the channel. Um, there was a lot going on in London in terms of visual effects. You know, it's it, it became a huge 
center of visual effects because a lot of big produ American production moved to London to shoot their, you know, the, the Harry Potter films and yeah. Warner yeah. Brothers were shooting a lot of films there and putting a lot of post-production work in London. So all these visual effects companies in London really grew their knowledge. And a lot of people from all over Europe came to London to work for these companies. Mm -hmm. So a company called uh, MPC, the moving picture company, offered me a supervisor, supervisor job there. I stayed there for a couple of years, worked on um, on Prince of Persia, and then uh, Method, which is another VFX company, uh, and I knew the, the head of Method, asked me to join them to create the company in London. They were in LA, but they wanted to open an office in London. So I joined them, and then as soon as I joined them, I got at the same time pretty much hired by Marvel <laughs> on, uh, on their first film that they were shooting in London, uh, yeah. Captain America. And I was hired as the second unit supervisor. So, you know, these big film have the main unit where they shoot all the drama and all that stuff. And there's a second unit where they shoot more like the, the action scenes and the complicated, you know, stuff that, that usually needs a lot more visual effects um, and a lot of coordination between stunt and special effects and, okay. and, uh, and that stuff. So I was more in charge of that second unit of Captain America. Mm which was really fun because actually all these second unit people in, in England, they, a lot of them have worked on like Bond movies, you know, they do all these action scenes on the Bond movies. So they all have like incredible stories about, you know, oh my God, I remember when we, you know, when we landed that plane on that cliff where, the, I mean, this just insane stories. And, uh, and they're, you know, incredibly talented professional, you know, camera people and, and uh, stunts and and they all know each other they've worked forever you know together and they they are, they're so efficient and 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 brilliant uh so that was is, really is cool. it quite a small world vfx it, it, well vfx is quite a small i mean there's a lot of vfx artists i mean a lot not a lot a lot but visual effects you know yeah it is a small world i mean visual effects and and the movie world is a, is a small world you know in this this kind of films when you think about it you know how many big blockbuster films are shot every year maybe yeah. 10 yeah. you know maybe 10 not not i don't think there's you know to that level and that price level you know that that budget level oh, um, yeah. so and they take about a year or two to be made i mean the, the filming crews are going through more of them because obviously they just do the filming part of it as a visual effects supervisor, I'm here from, you know, the infancy of when the director gets in and the first draft of the of the, the script is made to the very bitter end of delivering the film. Do you exclusively so work on one film at a time then? I, I usually do, yeah. Sometimes there's a bit of overlap between the end of a film and the prep of another one or things like that, but usually it's pretty contained. I mean, it's, it's a full-time job for one film. What's, um, what's the longest you've ever worked on one film? I think Eternals getting uh, is getting close to it. <laughs> um, what, two, three years. Well, yeah, because I started in uh, February. I can't remember now. Was it February twenty nineteen? Yes, I started in February twenty nineteen. So it's been so two, nearly years. two years. Uh, by the time we finish, I think it'd be two and a half years or something like that. I spent a lot of time of Matrix two and three, but it was two films. Yeah. You know, but it it felt like one, but it was two films. Definitely. Um, so that was pretty long, that one too. But so your yeah, your lifetime, but your career has really stretched across the whole kind of development of visual effects. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, especially like I can't even really fathom how much that industry has grown and developed. 
Yeah. Over the I mean, it, it's the case and it's not the case because I came at the time when I came at the time when CG was kind of being the new tool, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, there, there was already Jurassic Park had already gone out in 92, which was a big influence for me or Terminator 2, where they had that CG character or, uh, you know, The Abyss, you know, all these films by James Cameron and and uh, the Spielberg and all that stuff. So they had they, CG was starting to take over and and being a little, but they, but visual effects is a it's the oldest form of cinema. I mean, when you think about it, when uh, when cinema started, uh, George Méliès, which was a French a French um, magician and also a filmmaker, mm -hmm. was doing movies with visual effects in it. It was optical effects, but it was it was illusion for film. And and it's I think visual effects are are almost as old as filmmaking. Mm. So there is a legacy of all these people that have built uh, either stop motion animation films, uh, optical effects, matte painting. There's a lot of visual effects in in old films. Uh, yeah. If you look at um, Gone with the Wind, at so many matte painting and visual effects in it, mm. it's incredible. You wouldn't you wouldn't tell. I mean, you watch the film; they're incredibly well made. But if you look at the, uh, there's a, a few documentary about the making of uh, Gone with the Wind. It's an old film. It's like, it, it, it was made in the, in the 40s. And um, it's stuffed with visual effects. They, they didn't, they barely shot in, in Georgia. They shot pretty much everything in, in LA and they replaced all the backgrounds with matte paintings. Um, Just to clarify for those who don't know what, what yeah. is a matte painting. Yes. A matte painting is like, Let's say you're shooting, uh, you're shooting in LA, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing a big establishing shot of a, of a house, mm -hmm. and the back is, you know, the house is supposed to be a Georgian house in Atlanta in in uh, during the the Civil War, mm -hmm. and in the back you see, you know, LA, and I guess in 1940s they would in Culver City, it was surrounded by um, oil rigs. <laughs> So they would just create, at the time, the way to do matte paintings was to actually paint on a piece of glass in the, in the rostrum of the camera, in the image, on mm. top of the thing, paint, paint the background and film it live at the same time, you know, with the camera on location, mm. the guy would have painted the, back, the, the background and then they would film the scene, That's make sure that the people would walk to the house within the part of the of yeah. the image that was recorded and then film the film the, the background yeah. uh, live in camera. You could do it live, you could do it separately uh, with what we call an optical printer and doing it you know, at, uh, in post-production. Mm -hmm. But it was it's a painting that you're filming. Mm -hmm. So at the time you couldn't move the camera when you yeah. were doing that because if you moved the camera, then nothing was moving. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't move, it wasn't tracked. That's what we call track. But Nowadays, we have ways to do it and tracking and also creating backgrounds in, in the computer in 3D and do camera moves. And so now where it's more complicated, we can well, do it. It's all digital nowadays. It's all it? digital. It's not, it doesn't mean it's simpler. It's mm -hmm. actually more complicated, but uh, it requires more and more people, way more people than just a very good painter that, re, which is, yeah. you know, they did beautiful paintings. But it gives more liberty, you know, more freedom to the the, direct, the directors mm -hmm. to do whatever camera moves they need to do, what they want to do. Uh, so it's evolved, but it was there. It's always been there. Uh, movies has always been about, you know, tricking the eye. You yeah. Know, you, 
you build a house in a movie, you never build what you don't see. You never build the back of the house if you don't need the back of the house. It's always illusion. It is. And so we're part of the of the illusion. We're a, a, a little part of the big illusion that movie is, mm-hmm. um, you know, making a movie is. So, but now it's, also, it's gone know. to a completely new level where you're creating yeah. multiverses and quantum realms. Yes, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the tools are much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the imagination is does, you know, you, you really don't have any limits. You mm-hmm. can do pretty much what you want. Should you do everything you want? No, you should just <laughs> think about making it work for the story, but you can do pretty much anything as so, long as you have the time or the money or the people or, you know, it's, so it's all about that. Visual effects is, I'm guessing, quite a blanket term for lots yeah. of different things. Can you kind of yes. break down the little sections that kind of build up visual effects? There's so many things. I mean, when you think about it, a visual effects department and the visual effects, you know, vendors, studios, animation studios, mm-hmm. they're a reflection in the digital world of what the real world is. Mm-hmm. So we have people that, we have people that create, that, that do creatures, right? They like, like they used to be animatronic people or they still are animatronic people. We have people that, that are specialized in creature work right. and animating these creatures. We have people that are specialized in makeup. We do digital makeup. So it's makeup department, but it's digital. We have people that are specialized in set extensions or building, you know, extending a house or making a planet or that stuff. So that's the, the, the art department and the, the production design and, uh, and the, uh, you know, construction department. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people that are specialized in adding cloth to people flying with a, a cape or a cloak. So we need people that are specialized in garments and, and specialized in the simulation and the physics of how to recreate that in the, in the computer. Mm-hmm. We have people that are specialized in lighting because we need to recreate the lighting from the set, but sometimes we need to also change the lighting. So we have people that are just lighters. So they're, they're like the DP or, mm-hmm. or, the, you know, or the gaffers. So they're specialized in knowing how the light works. And we have people that are specialized in... in um, what we call shading, which is creating, once you build, uh, you build a, a digital asset, you need to give it a paint, give, mm-hmm. e- explain how the paint work, how the paint reacts to light. Uh, is it, is it, so all these people are painters, like you have painters on the, on the set. Well, we have digital painters that paint material or they build material. So we recreate the world you know, and every step of the way, we have the same departments in our, in our world as we have on set, building the set and building the, the, the costume and hair. We have people specialize in digital hair uh, and they need to be able to groom the hair the right way to make it match to the real person, but they mm-hmm. also need to know how to simulate it, how the hair is gonna move when the head's gonna move, you know? So it's everything. We, we rebuild everything and everything needs a very specialized person to do it right. Yeah. So that's what we deal with on every level. And every I guess as, as supervisor, your job is to make sure everyone else is kind of doing their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm the interface between the director, the producers, their vision, mm-hmm. um, and the people that are going to help produce it you know, create it. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in charge of making sure the communication is fine between both sides. 
translating the need, the creative needs of the director into the technical needs of the, the vendors. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, especially at Marvel, there's a lot of communication between the visual effects and the, and the creators because mm -hmm. we, we bring ideas as well. There's a lot of very clever people in visual effects and we all have ideas. And the, the cool thing at Marvel is that collaborative space that we have between everybody. So mm -hmm. everybody's uh, welcome to bring ideas. So we're always trying to, okay, well, what if we do it this way? And sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oh, that's brilliant. We never thought about this. So, you know, there's that collaboration aspect that is very important. And I think it makes our, you know, our films um, mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, more interesting sometimes because we, we just try and if we're very visual people, you know, Marvel comes from the comics, right? So everybody's very visual at Marvel. Mm -hmm. um, so visual effects have a, have a pretty big role in the films. And we, we we're really trying to collaborate as much. And a lot of people that work on these films on, on the visual effects side in the studios are big fans of Marvel films too. Yeah. So they all are super interested and excited to make them fun. And, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's really hard work. Um, people work really, really hard to get these movies made, um, everybody. And, and, but everybody's excited to make them too. So there's, there's a good collaborative you know, environment that we're trying to create so that, you know, everybody's kind of feeding each other and trying to find the best ideas. Do you still find yourself doing quite hands-on artistic visual effect work nowadays, or is it more kind of managerial? It's very managerial in a way, but it's managerial in a, in a creative sense. So it's, it's um, I'm not hands-on with the technical problems uh, as much as I used to be. You know, when you're, you're a supervisor at a studio, then you have to deal with the day-to-day, -day, you know, oh my God, that script is not working or not script in terms of written script, but like yeah. that computer, computer script, yeah. you know, script doesn't work or, you know, oh, we have a problem, animators are, are not, not, you know, there we don't have enough animators to do this. So I, I'm not so much into that kind of day-to-day -day thing. Mm -hmm. My day-to-day -day thing is really about creative. And I, I'm, you know, I'm gathering all the, the stuff that comes from the vendors. I'm discussing with them every day. We do Zoom calls now every day. You know, uh, we've always done that. We've always been remote because vendors are everywhere in the world. They're, they're not in LA with us. They're in London. They're in Berlin. They're in, um, you know, some of them are in LA, but not in our, on our, at our studio. Some of them are in Melbourne. Some are in New Zealand, uh, in Wellington. So we have people from all over the world working on these 24 seven. So I, we get every day a lot of material uh, and we discuss about every submissions that they make to us. I decide what's gonna be put in front of the, the director, mm -hmm. uh, what needs more work, you know, we come up with ideas that we're gonna work on our side and then present to the studio. And then, you know, I'm also the return channel. So I, when I show to the director, you know, we have reviews every two, three days to show the, the progress on the work on the work and then we discuss about it you know the editors are here the director the producers and then we make a plan and then we we do changes or we say okay this is good this is final this is done you know things like that it's a mm -hmm. it's a constant and that's what's happening in post production in pre production i'm more you know more with the different studio head uh, not studio head but uh, department heads the DP, the, um, the, the production designer, the costume people, the, the director, we, we prepare the film. So we have to talk about what's gonna be digital, what's gonna be for real. 
What do we need from the stunts, from the special effects people? What are we going to do in live action, practical? You know, all these things. So there, there's different phases of mm -hmm. making a film. So it's it's it never stays the same, which is kind of cool. You know? Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Can I and I get to travel a lot as well. <laughs> I'm never, I'm like six months a year or seven months a year at my house. I mean, this this pandemic has been the longest I've been in my house for, uh, but usually I'm like, you know, six, seven, eight months in London and back in LA, and then we start another film and we go somewhere else. And so it keeps on, keeps on moving. It's a circus. Can I ask about the, the live action elements? Mm -hmm. So how do you decide, I guess, in pre-production, Mm -hmm. you've got the script how do you decide what bits you need filmed in, yeah. in, in the flesh versus uh -huh. bits that you can kind of make up later yeah well there's a lot of different things I mean it also depends on the director you work you work with because some directors are more into okay I want to shoot more live action mm. or I want to get that explosion in camera or I want to get you sorry know, my I dog's wanna... decided to join us hi dog <laughs> Hi, Dougie. What's his name? Oh, all, all of them have decided to do it. All of them. See, they're interested by that talk. That's all fine. So we collectively decide, you know, what is achievable first. And sometimes what is achievable is uh, limited by either your budget, the time you have to film it, uh, the appetite from the director to do it live or not, where you are going to shoot. If you're gonna, sh if you want to shoot an explosion in the middle of London, you might have trouble shooting it. Yeah, because <laughs> they might not like that. You know, there's so many factors that come into, um, you know, redressing the set. For example, are you gonna blow up that set? Mm -hmm. But the the schedule is that the next day you have to shoot that set with an actor that's not available on the day you're shooting the explosion, right. and you need to have that set not blown up. Mm -hmm. the next day but you can't rebuild it once it's blown up so how do you do that you know there's so many factors that come into these decisions yeah that it, it's a really big puzzle you know usually there's simple answers right you have rocket and Groot you know you're not going to shoot these guys for real yeah this is a given but there's other things that are on the edge of like okay we could do that physically mm -hmm. but would it be the best use of our time maybe not and we can do it digitally or or second unit's going to pick it up a few days later and they're going to blow up blow that right. up but there might be some little things we need to tweak or help with because continuity is not going to work because we'll have shot something and then suddenly the explosion needs to happen in another place or whatever mm. you know there's so many things that come into that but decision. i mean i'm assuming if if the choice comes down to simply live action or visual mm -hmm. effects you yeah. would use the live action because that's usually personally I, I try to always get something shot mm. in camera like there was you know on, on guardians of the galaxy for example there were there's that um scene in the prison right in the kiln and there was a lot of questions about how much of this do we need to build you know how much of that set because that's a, that was a a very big set and a, a very complex one to, to build so you know obviously the question comes from the producers do we have to build that much? And then you look at the scenes and then you're looking at the blocking and, and, and we had, uh, James Gunn was very, very brilliant at, at you know, telling us exactly what he needed because he had in his mind, he had a very clear idea of what the scene should be. And, you know, we do, we do he does a lot of little drawing storyboards and then we do a lot of previous, previsualization before we start shooting, we create an animated version of the film. Right. 
which is both a very good creative document and a very good technical document because it tells us what we're looking at on the set, you know, which angles we're going to use and, uh, you know, what camera moves does the director want, so what camera equipment we need, you know, it's a very important filming document. And that tells us and gives us the ability to say, well, okay, well, we can build two levels, two floors, and then the rest can be top ups because most of the action is happening on the floor level. Yeah. So, but then, and then at some point there was a question, this building that set 360 was extremely complicated. And the question came, can we just build half of it and then tricking the camera shooting just, you know, making feel like the other half is the same. And then it just, the more we went into the previous, the more it, it was kind of obvious we couldn't do that. So we had to build it and, you know, bite the bullet and build that stuff. So, you know, there's the, the time, the money, all these aspects that are very essential to making a film. You can't, you, you don't have an unlimited amount of resources, even though you're on a big film, you always, you never have enough money. <laughs> it sounds like you're, if you're on a big film, you have enough money to do everything. Well, usually when you're on a big film like that, you have enough money to, you'd never have enough money to do, you know, to do, to do everything. So you have to be uh, very smart about where you want to put your, your budget, you know. So, so, so take that prison scene, the, mm -hmm. the escape with group yes. going up yeah. to the, the central. Yeah, the tower. And yeah. all the little drones and stuff like that. Yes. How much would that cost to like put, that scene i can tell you the cost because there's so many different costs with building the scene building the set building the hmm. I, I can't tell you the cost i mean these movies are expensive <laughs> uh, no, so know, you can like, imagine how how you get i'm assuming you we get budget. budget we do budget we budget everything we know what the scenes are going to be we look at the script we break down the script my producer uh susan pickett which have uh, worked with since Guardians. We've done all the Marvel films together. Mm -hmm. So we worked, we, that's what a big part of what we do in pre-production is actually budgeting the film. Mm -hmm. uh, so we read the script and every line we're like, okay, well, what, how is that gonna be done? So we mm -hmm. make assumptions, we discuss with the director, production designer, we make assumptions on what's gonna be practical and what's not gonna be practical. And we budget every single line of the film on our side, but there's also other budgets, obviously there's, you know, uh, construction and 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 uh, stunts and all, yeah. all these things. So, and then that's that's not our budget. That's the mm. budget for the film. But it's it's quite it gets quite complicated and yeah. it's, it 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 gets quite expensive. That's going. Uh, I mean, yes, I would. But are you guessing then half the time how much well, it's going to cost? There's a, there's an element of guess, but there's an element of experience. I mean, I've worked at. I worked at a visual effects studio for years. So mm. I know how much things cost. Mm. I know how many people it's going to take to yeah. do that, you know, what that one shot. So I can tell roughly, okay, this is going to take, you know, we're going to build all these digital assets. So that's one thing that we put on the side. And then there, we're going to, you know, we're going to need animators and FX animators and compositors and lighters. And they're going to work for, three weeks on that, two weeks. And then you get a sense, you know, this kind yeah. of shot is gonna cost about that much. We, we've done so many shots in our lives that we know yeah. simple shots, how much they cost and super complicated shots, how much they cost. So we break down the script in, you know, complexity levels. And that's how we can get, get a good idea of where we are gonna, we're gonna end up. Do you, do you remember a scene or a sequence which was just so complex Mm -hmm. that it's kind of stands out in all your work history 
I've done quite a few of those. <laughs> One that was very visually complicated to appreciate from the get-go was Doctor Strange because it was so out there, you know. So in this case, you know, you, you're getting in a space where, okay, I need to build all of New York digitally so that it can fall into itself. That must be a little bit of work. <laughs> And then, you know, you're, it's, you're starting to look at, at you know, at, at the price of all these things and the time it's going to take to do all these things and making them look good and yeah. figuring out not only you're building New York, but you're making it fold and you're making it fractalize and all that stuff. So it yeah. gets very complicated uh, and you don't quite, when you're there reading that on the page, it's just one line of, and then your fold starts to fold. <laughs> okay, so how many shots and what is it and what am I looking at? And so it's it's quite complicated, but then you you know you just start start to, you believe your gut instincts and you mm -hmm. talk to the director and get a grasp on how big the expectation is. And usually, you know, when you're at Marvel, you're you're trying to fulfill the expectation from your director. So you're thinking, okay, well that's going to be big. <laughs> so you're, I guess you're you just you just take the first step and go from there. You just work. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you you know, at some point, it's like when you you're building a house and you're being told build a mansion um a big mansion and i say how big <laughs> and then you talk to the person that wants the mansion and then you get it gets clearer and clearer as you talk to them it's the same thing with you know reading a script and talking to the director and mm -hmm. understanding where the vision wants to land and then you get a better sense of how much work it's gonna it's gonna take what's what's your role when it comes to being on set then I'm always on set. I'm always on set and always I'm like sitting usually next to the director. Mm -hmm. So I spend my on Marvel film, I spend my day on set uh, when we shoot and I'm, I'm there consulting with the director all the time because mm -hmm. there's so many, you know, so many things that need us. So I'm here and uh, answering questions and coming up with ideas and you know, we talk to the DP and, and the camera crew on framing, you know, what are we going to see here, Steph? We're in front of a blue screen. Well, we're going to see this. And I've, I've got my little drawings concept or previous that I can show them and tell them if you, you know, if you go on an 18 mil uh, lens, then this is what you're going to see. If you go on a 25, you're going to see less, you know, this is what you're going to see. You know, things like that. I took to the to the actors to explain to them, you know, when they have powers, what these powers are going to look like, show them uh, when they're talking to Rocket and Groot, I tell them, well, you have to look here, this is your eye line and right. you know, things like that. So I'm, I'm always there to try and help as much as possible, making sure that the, the actors are comfortable, uh, you know, and the director are comfortable with what we're going to do later. Are you ever uh, tempted to mess with the actors? Mess? What does that mean? <laughs> Is it you have so much power as this person who's gonna um, make it look good at a later date? Like you can make I, so many weird stuff. <laughs> I know, but I, re I actually rely a lot on the actors to sell what we do. Yeah. Because they, if they don't believe in what we do, then how the, the actors are the conduit for the audience to experience what they see, right? So if you spend the time with the actor, with the, all the actors and explaining them clearly, as clearly as possible. I mean, on Doctor Strange, it's not super clear when you try to explain, but that's mm -hmm. why we have previews again. We have previews to show them you're seeing New York fall in front of you. And this is a very rudimentary version of what it's going to look like. 
and they get it, you know, and they can, they, they work as an, their work as an actor is to imagine that they're looking at that. And it's very, it's very important for me because the more, the better they are reacting to what we're going to do later, mm. the better the effect is actually. Yeah. So it's very important for, you know, the director to direct them in, in this and me to be there to help mm. that conversation. Say, say you're, um, you're chatting with an actor, say Doctor Strange and his uh -huh. circles of yes. light power thing. Yes. What do you call those? The portals. The portals. When they open the portals. portals. Yeah. Those yeah. things. Yeah. Are you explaining to them this is how it works? Like yeah. you're we, physically we did, drawing the circle. For example, for the portals, what we had done like in, in prep, we had, which what we do very often, we, we had just shot one of our guys doing the moves and then added the portal to it so that the actor could see, oh, okay, this is what's going on. It's happening that far away from me. This is the light and the particles and the guys done that motion like that. You know, we played around with the motion. We also did tests for when they create the, the, the stuff like that. I remember we, Tilda um, Swinton, I, I, we did a test with a guy doing, you know, when she's explaining to Strange the magic and she's creating all these beautiful mandalas in front of her. We had actually done a version of that with someone else. And I showed her the day we shot it. I said, this is what it's going to look like. Right. It wasn't finished, finished, but this is roughly what it's going to look like. There's particles, you know, pouring out of these lines of energy. It looks like a mandala, you know, and we have interactive light on set to, you know, light them with that, all that stuff. We have cues that the first AD and the director give them for when the light's going to come up and what's going to happen. So she had all, all that stuff. And we had worked with a, a specialist of this kind of motion and everything. So they are trained yeah. um, before, before we shoot, obviously they are trained with, you know, kind of the way they can use their hands to create lines. So everything was, you know, as prepared as possible. Obviously they still have to play with their imagination, but we're here to support, you know, their work, yeah. their acting, talent with with as much material we can show them to help them you know yeah. create that illusion so it's so crucial that you're building this universe and the rules of this universe yeah yeah it's, I mean, so that it, that's what we in prep we spend some you know fair amount of time trying to hmm. to figure out what these things are uh, sometimes it's more successful than others <laughs> sometimes we're more prepped than others but hmm. Um, uh, depends on how much time we have in prep. We were very, very well prepped for Doctor Strange because mm. we, the movie, uh, the shooting got pushed uh, five months to wait for um, Benedict's availability. It wasn't available at the time we were initially supposed to start shooting. And then, uh, so they, they pushed the shoot six months, five or six months. So we had a, which was yeah. totally necessary because it was such a complicated yeah. Film. So we had, that was brilliant that we got to get more time in prep to actually figure out what the, what the universe would be at that point. Mm -hmm. It killed us a little bit in post because we got less time in post, but yeah. you know, we, we got to get it done anyways. Do you have a favorite project that you've worked on? I got films that I really, uh, proud of I'm, it's every time someone asks me that question it's not the first time <laughs> I say uh I cannot choose amongst my children <laughs> that's true but, um but there's you know I, I'm very proud of I'm I'm uh, every project is different right even though I do a lot of comic book movies they're all very different actually when you think about yeah. 
Guardians of the Galaxy or Doctor Strange or Ant-Man and now, now Eternals, they're all different mm. type of films. They're, they're all put in the category of, oh, they're all comic book movies, but the truth is they're not at all the same. Yeah, they're very um, So they all have some, and they all have something special. You know, there's movies where I really enjoy working with the director or the actors, or I learned a lot about, I like learning. So I like learning from the people I work with. Mm. Um, and uh, every director is different, so it, you learn to understand their their mm -hmm. psyche. So it's it's a big part of it for me. And also the Prestige, I really like working on the Prestige because I think it's a beautiful movie. There's not a lot of visual effects in it, but I think it's an amazing movie. Yeah. I love working on Guardians of the Galaxy because it was really fun, um, very complicated and very hard to do, but mm -hmm. very fun. Uh, good group of people, you know. Doctor Strange was so weird. I loved it because visually it was so interesting. You know, yeah. it was so out there. And Man and the Wasp, I actually really like working on it because it, it was a, such a great crew, amazing people. I mean, most of the crews on, on Marvel film are really good people. Uh, but there was a sense of really family on uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp because Peyton Reed is such a great uh, director with his actors. And it's a, it was the second one. Were such a good group of people and you know working with uh, michael douglas and yeah. michelle pfeiffer you know it's like oh my god these people are like movie gods yeah. <laughs> and they're amazingly nice people so i love working on a movie not marvel uh cloud atlas because it was with the wachowski which i you know i had already worked with them on on matrix two and three and did a little bit of of work for them on uh Mm. on speed racer amazing group of people amazing super nice people mm. and super creative and uh and and also the german crew on tom tigver which was the third you know the other director on cloud atlas yeah. uh, amazing german crew we shot in berlin it was a brilliant experience mm. um, and such a great cast as well the movie i know people some people don't like the movie i love this movie you know, they all have something. They all have something. Even the, the, the worst movie I worked on, I've learned something. It's true. You know, you, sometimes you, you do a film and it's maybe not the best film ever, but you've learned something. You've met some people that are cool. You've made, you know, you've, you've tried something that didn't quite work, but that you were happy to try. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you've got to learn from every experience, good or bad. And actually, you often learn more from bad experiences. But uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Talking, talking of learning, though, I know there's a lot of kind of research and development that goes on yeah. during these films. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, well, we don't know how to make that. Someone yeah. figure it out. Yeah. How are you constantly thinking about the next steps in VFX, mm -hmm. like yeah. the next big thing? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to be aware of what's happening. And not just what's happening on the films that are being made, but what's happening in, in R&D. You know, there's a lot of people that do v computer graphics R&D, you know, like the, the, the thing that is that people talk a lot about right now is like deep fakes and things like that. And it, it's, it's been deep fakes, you know, people changing the face of someone. There's a, there's oh, wow. a yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen that. You, you should look at on YouTube and look for uh, deep fakes and okay. they're, they're, people using uh, artificial intelligence uh, to replace the face of someone with someone else and or, you know, do use a lot more artificial intelligence and computer, you know, uh, machine learning to do visual effects. And there's a lot of that going on right now. 
what could that kind of technology be? be well, used? for example, you know, you have actors doing stunts and they're not doing stunts because they can't do it, it's too dangerous and yeah. you want to replace the face. Uh, you used to replace the face, you know, using 2D methods that are sometimes imperfect or CG face that are getting better, but are not totally perfect yet. And now you can use computer, you know, uh, machine learning uh, and artificial intelligence to actually do that process. And it gives extremely good results. And it's kind of automated to some degree, not completely yet, but it is. There's a lot of stuff like that. There's, you know, like stuff we've done on Ant-Man and the Wasp, we've made people older, for example, or younger. And uh, this is a very painstaking process uh, done in 2D by hand. And actually you can feed the algorithm with images of like, you know, Michael Douglas in his movies in when he was 40 years old, you mm -hmm. would feed that to the computer and tell, this is the guy I want that guy to look like, and it will do it for you. That's um, astonishing. Yeah. So this, th there's a lot of stuff like that that's going on. There's also a lot of virtual production uh, stuff that's going on. You know, the Mandalorian uh, TV show is now using... Uh, game engines to create backgrounds uh, in real time uh, as you shoot. So you don't use a blue screen anymore. You actually shoot uh, within what we call a volume and the camera moves and all the CG environment actually moves or recreates the perspective based on the camera move. It's very complex and complicated. Is that what um, it's like if putting yourself in a VR environment. It is, yeah. It is pretty much based on VR, AR, you know, all that, these research that have, again, been going on for years. Yeah. And now that starts to go into production. And there's more and more of that. So there, there's a lot of things that are boiling, ideas that are boiling everywhere in the world. Uh, some of them at Vision Effects Studios, some of them, you know, more like universities doing computer graphics mm -hmm. research. So you have to be aware of all these things so that you can think about, okay, there's that piece of technology that happens here. I don't, these people might not think about how we're going to use it, but there might be a way we can use it that they haven't thought about that yeah. we can, you know, so you, you always kind of need to be aware of what's going yeah. on. But at, at the same time, I'm a, a visual effects, I love tech, I'm a big geek, you know, um, but I, I will never try to force a technology into a story. So mm -hmm. that's the thing that I, and, and also you have to be careful about when you're bringing a technology on a film set you have to be careful about is it going to work first yeah. and secondly is it going to make it better faster mm. cheaper <laughs> you know or more efficient so yeah. you have to think about there's a trade-off to using tech in places mm. you know and you, you my take on it is that I don't want to stop the flow of the shoot I don't want vision effects to prevent the director from making his day happen or, or making the actors uncomfortable with something and then getting in the way of making, you know, what is movie making work. Mm. So I'm very precious about that. I'm very like, okay, is this really going to make it better for everybody? Yeah. If it just makes it better for me, I can cope with that. Yeah, But if it's making it better for me, but less good for everybody else, I, I don't want to do that because I don't want us to be the people that make it hell for everybody else. Mm. So I, want, I will bring technology on set only if it makes it better for everybody. So I, guess, I guess people really have to place their trust in you. 
Well, I mean, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people involved. Yeah, no, but I mean, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's a stressful job. <laughs> it is a stressful job. Yeah. And 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 you have no room for you know. At the end, we're the we're the last one. We're the last man standing on these films, because everybody else gone by the time we deliver our shots. We're just there, and we're this is it. This is what you're putting in your film now. Yeah. So we have to just we're there at the at the end looking at the director and telling him this is what's going in your film you're happy with I it right? <laughs> i mean it's true it is true you know if there's um if suddenly they're thinking okay well I, that set that we built i don't i like it but i would i wish it was and then we are the we are the people that are making the wish it was being real hmm. so we have to deliver magicians well, we try. No, we don't succeed always, but we try at least. <laughs> Are you quite critical of your own work? Well, you have to be, yeah. 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 But there's always, you know, you, there's, again, it's everything. Everything in life needs to be balanced, right? You have the amount of time you have, the amount of money you have, mm. the quality you want to achieve. And they, it's that triangle. And then you need to balance it. So sometimes you, the, the release date is coming and you have to let it go. And it's the same, same for everybody, you know? We always wish we had more time, but we don't. And sometimes you have too much time and you, and you start noodling and is it the right thing to do or you're, yeah. it's fine, you know? Well, why do you want to do more to this? It's, it's already great. So it's, it's just, it's that balance you need to find. Do you ever put any like secret little Easter eggs? Easter eggs? Yeah. Uh, sometimes we're asked to, to put Easter eggs in the in the shots. So I, I'm, there's one thing I do, which is um, I've been able to do it since I've been at Marvel. Every movie I've supervised at Marvel, I am in the movie somewhere. Huh? Yes. <laughs> Guardians. Where are you in Guardians? In Guardians. So in Guardians, I'm an hologram on the table in the prison. In Doctor Strange, I'm running in the streets of New York. Oh, uh, wow. in and in the back some behind uh behind strange and uh <laughs> and mordo in dr strange no, in, in in uh ant-man and the wasp there's that scene where you know the pigeons i don't know if you've seen it um the pigeon scene you know when they're in that little car and there's the pigeons yeah. and there's a big truck you know like a dump truck coming uh -huh. and there's someone walking in the back and trying to open the the corner uh shop that's me and I, I, took my, I have my Doctor Strange hoodie, so you can see the mandalas of Doctor Strange on my back while I'm trying to open the, the shop. I love um, it. Do you just tell you, do you just go to the director? Can, can I just get in this one? They usually, we, we usually try to uh, do a cameo. Sometimes. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> so if, if someone decided they wanted to do what you do, yes. how would you advise them? Good luck. <laughs> get into it it is it takes a, it takes a bit of time to get there yeah well there's i mean there's schools um there's a lot of schools now that you know movie making filmmaking visual effects schools animation schools there's much more than there used to be when i started when i started it was a little bit more of a, a wild jungle but um there is schools and you know they, they just need to be passionate about it they just need to watch films watch what's happening you know work work hard <laughs> would um, say visual effect artists kind of be the first yeah, step yeah you start i mean you can start there you can start by that's how i started i was 
just you know you don't start by being a supervisor mm. it's like you don't start by being the ceo of your company you just yeah. you, i mean unless you you do your own company but you you gotta you gotta go up the the food chain you know yeah so you just start being you know see what you like it's very it's much more specialized now than it was when i started when i started you know we were kind of what we call generalists so we mm. were doing a bit of everything but now it's a little bit more, you know, industrial in a way. So you gotta find what you like. If you're a good animator, you know, find, find, find that you're good at that, and then very specialize yourself. And then, or good at lighting. If you like photography, you know, and you like the way, you know, lighting stuff, learn that, and then try to learn how to do it in a in a digital environment. And there's a lot of tools that you can download now. Most of the software that is available has some learning editions that you can download for free. What's kind of like a, a piece of crucial software? Well, there's there's a there's a, you know 3D software that you can download that teach you how to do uh, modeling or building or animation. It's you know there's Maya, uh, which is one of the biggest one. Um, there's um, Houdini, which is another package that has a lot of very cool, interesting uh, procedural procedural um, systems uh, that is getting used more and more for special effects in visual effects mm -hmm. uh, but for everything now it's a very good package there's blender which is a free totally free software that you can download totally for free that is a very good tool to learn for compositing which is more like 2d work once the cg is rendered and you want to mix it with reality then you use nuke but there's most of like blender as they have their own compositing software you know so there's lots of mm -hmm. and in the end the truth is uh, software is important and technique is important, but if you learn one, you're going to learn all of them. You know, you're yeah. going to be able to understand the basic fundamental things that will let you use any of these software. After that, it's just a learning curve, but it's mm -hmm. the, ba the basic principles are always the same. You know, if you're a good artist, you're going to know how to use the tools wherever they are, whichever they are, you know. Just go into it and learn learn about filmmaking. I would say that's a that's a big thing. Learn about filmmaking, visual storytelling, because that's what will make the difference between being a good technician that can do cool stuff mm -hmm. and being a, a someone that can rise to the level of being a supervisor that can understand what a story is there to tell, or what an image is there to tell. You know yeah. what a visual is there to tell, and that's what makes a difference between someone that can talk to a director or a scriptwriter or producer and someone that can't. Yeah, so just don't get um, weighed down with the technical. Element. Well, you have to initially, you, you got to understand how these things are made, because if you can't talk to the vendors about how to achieve stuff or, you know, understand how they do stuff, then mm -hmm. it's not not a great thing. So you have to go through that phase of being, a, you know, a good technician. But what will make, take you to the next level is understanding filmmaking, understanding how an edit works, you know, how you you frame an image or a shot, and then the set, the shot that comes after it, so that things work together in a mm -hmm. cut. You you need to understand um, composition, lighting, all these things that are element of storytelling mm -hmm. and how they're used for storytelling. So watch a lot of movies, uh, document yourself about how movies are made, how people think about how they construct a sequence, you know, things like that that are important because. If you don't have that level of knowledge when you talk to a director, you're not going to understand what they want, you know, mm -hmm. uh, why they're using a certain lens or a certain camera move or why they're composing their shots a certain way. 
because they want to tell the story this way or they want to intensify the emotion in that way. All these things are very important to understand, even as a visual effects artist. Because as I told you earlier, you know, we recreate on our digital side what the, the physical side is doing. Mm. And it's not just we recreate, you know, a costume or a thing, we recreate a, a proper a movie making machine. Mm. So it's all about story and what we want to tell. So all these tools are there to push a narrative. Mm. And and as a supervisor, you need to understand how you use all these tools to create the narrative. Um, so that's that's the that's important that you get that. And you build that knowledge. It's a hell of a job you've got. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> one one last question for you, if if you could succinctly sum it up. Mm -hmm. What are the good, bad, and mad <laughs> crazy things about <laughs> what you do? Well, the good is the good is definitely interaction with all these creative people because that's so exciting you know that's you know that's what i strive for i just try to work with people and understand what they want to achieve and mm -hmm. storytelling and then you know delivering a film that people enjoy it's the good you know mm -hmm. the bad is it's really hard work you know it's a hard work it's uh, very stressful sometimes completely annoying <laughs> uh because you know it's just these things are so hard to do and you, it's frustrating. Sometimes you don't get to where you want to be and uh, to where you want the, the, the things to, to be. And it's, it's really, really grueling. And it's, it, you know, it takes a toll on, on your health, <laughs> your mental health at least. And, uh, and it, you just want to, you know, some days you just want to shout and say, ah, frustrated. But I guess it's the same in every job. You know, it just, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of pressure. This one is, this job is a lot of pressure. But, you know, you cope with it, you learn to cope with it, and you learn to understand that if you just stay cool and think about things analytically, you're going to get through it. And then the, um, the mad, it's always mad. <laughs> Every day is mad. Uh, the mad thing, you know, the mad thing is, it, it, what I said earlier, it's a, it's a circus. Like, so your life is always in constant turmoil you're just oh you're gonna go there and you're gonna shoot there for six months and then you move back and then you so it it's very demanding and it's very changing and it's very and some days you're thinking what where was i yesterday what was i doing and then i've taken that plane and then now i'm in the middle of um of um you know iceland in an helicopter and tomorrow i'm gonna fly down to uh you know morocco and shoot these plates and then the day after i have to do a review with the studio i got to prepare all that so the 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 constant craziness that you have to deal with, you know, the constant challenges that you have to deal with is pretty maddening in places, but it's, 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 it's cool. I mean, it's part of the excitement. I'd be bored to death if I wasn't doing this. Um, so I guess I am mad for doing it. All the best people are. That's okay. <laughs> now, thank you so, so much. You're welcome. You're an absolute star and it's been wonderful to have Thank a little you. bit of insight in, into yeah. your, your work. It's astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all a little bit crazy, <laughs> but you it's what? That's what makes it fun. Of, of the common theme across the different podcasts and different people I've spoken yeah. to, that's the thing that comes up. Everyone's like, we're all a little bit mad. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. But that's fine. That's the fun of it. That's mm -hmm. the fun of it. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Bad Mad podcast. Please subscribe to check out the next episode or leave a review if you liked it. You can find us on Instagram at goodbadmad or at goodbadmad.com for additional resources and information. See you next time.